Good morning, Northbrook Church. If you turn with me in your Bibles to Psalm 98, if you don't have a copy of God's Word, we have some available back at the welcome table. If you don't own a copy, please take one home with you as our gift. Psalm 98. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. The Lord has made known his salvation. He has reveled, nope, he has revealed his righteousness in the sight of the nations. He has remembered his steadfast love and faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Make a joyful noise to the Lord. All the earth, break forth in joyous song and sing praises. Sing praises to the Lord with the lyre, with the lyre and the sound of melody. With trumpets and the sound of the horn, make a joyful noise before the King, the Lord. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the world and those who dwell in it live, and those who dwell in it. Let the rivers clap their hands, let the hills sing for joy together before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world with righteousness and all the people with equity. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, church. Glad that you uh, can be here to join us today. Um, uh, and again, if you're a guest with us, welcome to Northbrook. Uh, I, I'm Dustin. I'm one of the pastors here. Um, and, uh, and, and I just want to kind of give you a heads up that uh, I, I'm not our regular preaching pastor. Uh, that's Jake Ledette. <laughs> and so he, uh, he's been out uh, for the month of uh, July on, on sabbatical. So just a time that he can step away, he can rest. Uh, that the Lord can just care for him. Uh, and so uh, him and, and his family are actually with us today, and so we're glad to have them here. Um, we look forward to his return next week, uh, and we'll get back into uh, our series on the Sermon on the Mount. And so August will be kind of finishing that up. Um, yeah, again, thank you for being here. As always, uh, I'm excited to be here for the gathering of the body, to hear the singing of the saints and to have the word of God preached and proclaimed, transforming hearts, minds, and, and ultimately lives, um, that we would live lives of obedience uh, to the glory, honor, and worship of Christ our King. Uh, and praise God that this work rests not, not in our, our preaching, um, not in our works, uh, but it's in the spirit, um, not by our own efforts or abilities, uh, but in God's word. God, God's word promises us uh, that it will not return to him empty, uh, but will accomplish that which he purposes. And so if you would, uh, pray with me as we get started. Um, dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we, we thank you for this uh, great and glorious day, uh, a day that we can truly come together and, and worship you, uh, that we can sing a new song because of what you've done. Uh, and so I pray, Spirit, that you uh, would carry your word forth, um, that you would open hearts and minds um, to receive your word, to, to hear uh, the comfort, the blessing, and, and even the conviction that you may bring. Uh, and so lead us today, guide us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So this week, we will be wrapping up our, our short series in the Psalms. Um, Pastor Randy is, is the one who really has laid this series out. Uh, he's done just a sweet job. Uh, of preaching to us um, on just a, a variety of passages. Um, again, looking at just some of the real struggles, some of the, the things that we 
face in this life. Um, and I, I hope that you've been encouraged and challenged and ultimately blessed uh, through this series. And so before we get into our psalm today, Psalm 98, uh, as Annie just read, uh, I want to briefly touch on some of the psalms that we've covered. Uh, hopefully we can uh, kind of look at some of those, um, remember what God has, was doing in, in those sermons and, and, and there, and maybe tie our series together. Um, and then uh, at the end of our time, when, as we conclude, we're going to have just a, a time um, that we can, can really reflect uh, and look back uh, and see what God is doing, uh, what he's, how he's moving in us, uh, uh, and then we'll, we'll end in a time of worship. Uh, one of the aspects of the Psalms that, that we've covered that I love is how personal they are. Uh, I, I think in them, we get to see the, the inner workings of, of a Christian mind. Um, and, and we can relate. Uh, th- these songs were, were penned by men who walked through trials, uncertainties, injustices, grief, suffering, and sin. And although they may have lived at a different time and a different place than us, um, we face these same, these same things. These things make up the human experience in a sinful and fallen world. But in the brokenness, we also get to see God's providence. We get to see his deliverance. We get to feel his presence. And we get to, to walk in his love. It's through the brokenness that they cried out to God, that they looked to him. As, as we just sang, like we run to the Father over and over again. And so church, we too uh, get to run to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace in a time of need. I, I think many times I gotta have this tendency to want to compartmentalize things. Uh, and in doing that, I, I sometimes want to separate uh, the praise and worship of God from the realities of, of life. And so I come on Sundays and I sing and I worship, and then Monday rolls around and, and the stress of work, the difficulties of marriage, uh, correcting my children for the thousandth time on the same thing. Uh, I, I can kind of just want to set that aside and just uh, I just kind of want to bear down. I, I want to do it in my own strength. Uh, but as we've seen in these psalms, like that's not, uh, that's not what we're called to. Uh, it, it's in the midst of trial, it's in the midst of suffering that, that we run to him, that we look to his promises, and that we praise him. You know, I, was, uh, I came across this uh, note I'd written, I don't know, a few months ago. I was just kind of reflecting on uh, just Amanda and I's uh, early marriage, I had written this. It said, imagination for marriage uh, is typically not imaginative, but fantasy. Fantasy imagines the ease of a future state. Vision, on the other hand, considers the work required and the steps taken to to achieve transformation. When Amanda and I were first married, I, I had no imagination uh, for, for what the next steps of, of, what, of creating home and establishing a family. Uh, I, I kind of had this ideal of marriage where it's like I just show up and it's going to be great. Um, and and <laughs> that's just not true. Uh, if you're married, you know that. If you're not married, here's your warning. Uh, it is work. 
Uh, but, but in that work is God's grace. That, that's where he meets us um, and forms us and, and, and takes two and makes them one. Um, and so it is in, it's in the difficulties of life is where we need to meet with God. Um, and so, you know, and so I'm just talking about this, like this, this disconnect. Again, I, I want to separate uh, God's faithfulness, his victory from the struggles of life. But the Psalms just don't do this. And, and, and in fact, in, in separating uh, his worship uh, from the struggles, really what I'm doing is, is I'm really looking past the cross. The cross. I look past the reality that we have a savior who was born in a manger, who was despised and rejected, who was tempted in every way and ultimately suffered and died for us. And church, we, we cannot neglect that. We cannot look past that. God does not just shuffle our sin to the side. He doesn't sweep it under the rug. No, he, he very publicly in front of all the nations, nailed it to the cross. He poured out his wrath on Jesus that we might be saved. And so as we look back at at some of the Psalms um, that we've covered, um, we can see the real struggles that they faced. And so we began with Psalm 144, which is a song pleading for rescue. It's pleading for deliverance and for victory. So verse one, blessed be the Lord, my rock, who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle. And then in verse seven, stretch out your hand from on high, rescue me and deliver me from, the, from, the, from many waters, from the hand of the foreigners. Psalm 16 begins, preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. David was crying out for preservation. He was crying out for a place of rest that that the Lord would care for him. Psalm 94, we see his cry for justice. O Lord, God of vengeance, O God of vengeance, shine forth. Rise up, O judge of the earth. Repay to the proud what they deserve. Then then listen to the grievances uh, that, that that are proclaimed here. How long shall the wicked exult? They pour out their arrogant words. They crush your people. They kill the widow and the sojourner and murder the fatherless. Church, we know there is real evil uh, in this world. And that that evil needs to be overcome. It has been overcome uh, and will be overcome by the blood of the Lamb. And then last week we looked at, at Psalm 102. Re- really, I, I kind of see it as a, a plea for presence. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Let my cry come to you. Do not hide your face from me. <clears throat> Incline your ear to me. For my days pass away like smoke. My heart is struck down like grass. I am like a lonely sparrow. So there's, there's real suffering. There's real suffering here today. Um, and so I, I, I hope, my hope for today is that, uh, yeah, you, you can be here in that, in the midst of that. Um, 
and, and, and be honest with the Lord, that you can, can share where it is you struggle, where it is, what it is you're facing, and lay that before him. Um, but also look to his grace and mercy and his presence. Suffering and grief can be isolating, not only from one another, but, but even from the Lord. And so Randy you know, really touched upon that as in Psalm 102. And, and these pleas don't stand alone. Throughout the Psalms, there are many others similar to these and, and, other, and others that we haven't touched upon. Psalm 51 is a plea for mercy and forgiveness. David confessing his sin, have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy. Against you, you only have I sinned. And again, it's, it's one of the things I love about the Psalms that again, they don't ignore the, the realities of life. Um, they, they show us that we can take the struggles that we face and we can take them to the throne of grace. That we can sin against God and yet still run to him. We can confess to him, we can repent to him and ultimately praise him. And so today, we're going to be in Psalm 98, and, and Psalm 98 kind of stands out a little bit from, from the rest of these, because there's not so much a plea for anything. Um, it, it, it's a song really responding to what God has done. It's responding to the deliverance he's given, the refuge and the presence he's provided, the justice that he's brought. Really, it's looking at the same struggles we face, only from a different vantage point when Christ has overcome. And so in, in Psalm 98, we, we kind of have three divisions. Um, and so the, kind of the first division will be verses one through three, God's, God's <clears throat> marvelous work, namely salvation. And then we're gonna see two responses. First, all the earth responds. And then second, all creation responds. And so, Let's jump into to the, our kind of first division. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. The Lord has made known his salvation. He has revealed his righteousness in the sight of the nations. He has remembered his steadfast love and faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. And so we, we see uh, just in the beginning verse uh, the, the command, the call to, oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Um, and when we see this phrase uh, in Psalm 144, um, I will sing a new song to you, O God, upon a ten-stringed harp I will play to you. This line also shows up in Psalm 96, 149, and Isaiah 42. Again, laying out a pattern for us that when, God's, when God acts, we respond in worship. For he has done marvelous things. Again, the other Psalms we've looked at, they, they, they were pleased to God, calling for him to intervene. And Psalm 98 stands on the other side of that struggle, and it proclaims what God has done. And so we have 
just looking at some of the, the phrases in this first section, his right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. I think to me, Psalm 98 on the whole seems to, to prophesy or point towards the end, the full realization of thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Every knee will bow and tongue shall swear allegiance or Christ riding in on his white horse as king. His right hand and his holy arm, they convey and symbolize strength. Um, and, and this is what God says to Moses uh, in, in Exodus 6, uh, verse 6, but before he brings Israel out uh, from Egypt, he says, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will deliver you from slavery to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. And then he, he was faithful to that. He, he pulled them out of slavery. Israel didn't have to lift a sword to, to get out of the yoke from the Egyptians. Uh, they didn't have to rise in rebellion. No, they walked out as a people, men, women, and children led by their God, led in his protection. And, and it was by his might that he delivered them. And so we know our God is a mighty God, but we, we also have another picture of, of the arm of the Lord. Uh, in Isaiah 53, it says, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. And this is, I, I've kind of touched on this already, but he was despised and rejected. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. You know, I, 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 when I think of the arm of the Lord and his strength, I, I do, I think, of, uh, I think of his might to pull Israel out from the Egyptians. Uh, like his strong working. Um, it, it's, it's not the first thing that comes to mind is the cross. You know, or the picture that he was despised and rejected. Uh, that he's the lamb. But this is really where we see his strength. Because it's in the resurrection that we see his power to overcome sin and death. He is both the lion riding in on his white horse and the, and the lamb that was slain and rose again. And so we go to verse two. The Lord has made known his salvation. He has revealed his righteousness in the sight of the nations. Truly his salvation has been made known in Christ. And that salvation has been made known before the nations, in their sight. God's heart has always been for the nations, for all peoples, for all the earth to worship him. Uh, and so listen to what Paul says in his letter uh, to the Ephesians uh, in chapter three. He says, when you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men and other generations, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. And earlier in Ephesians 1, he also says, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, 
which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. And even though it was a mystery at one point, we get to look back and see that, that God did reveal his salvation in front of the nations. At, at the height of, of the Roman Empire, Christ was crucified. And, and, and his crucifixion and his resurrection were proclaimed throughout uh, the empire. And, and we also get to look back and see, you know, even earlier uh, in Genesis, again, looking back that, that it was always God's plan uh, for the nations. Because God promises to Abraham, uh, saying this in Genesis 22, and in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. That church, God's kingdom is, is nothing less than all peoples. It's nothing, nothing less than all of creation. And, and he calls us to proclaim that, to respond to what he's done and worship him. And, and Christ makes this, this abundantly clear um, in the Great Commission. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded. And, and this is why in a, a few weeks, uh, the elders of Northbrook, I, we're going on a, a trip to Jordan. Um, we're, we're going there um, to meet with folks who are, are preaching and proclaiming the gospel. We're going there to see uh, the good news of salvation spread and take root and transform the nations. This is why we're partnering with other churches and organizations that, that we might be equipped, um, that we might be trained as the body of Christ on mission for God and sent out either to the nations or, or to our neighbors. And it, it's all it's all relevant, it's all in God's plan because it's for all of the earth. All of the earth is called to make a joyful noise to the Lord. So in verse three we have, he has remembered his steadfast love and faithfulness to the house of Israel. Again, God's steadfast love and faithfulness is, is one of the refrains in the Bible. Again, we, we were just singing about that, his steadfast love and faithfulness. Um, and so here's what it says in Exodus 34, um, the Lord speaking to Moses. Uh, the Lord passed before him, uh, being Moses, and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Again, we, we could say so much more about his steadfast love and his faithfulness. Um, but we've already seen in, in his promise to Abraham that all nations would be blessed through him. God is faithful and true to his word. Despite Israel's unfaithfulness and despite our own unfaithfulness to him, he remains faithful. And so we end this kind of first section in verse three. All the earth, all the earth has seen the salvation of our God. We have touched upon, 
We've already touched upon the mission of God being to all the nations uh, and to the ends of the earth. And so church, we get to participate in that kingdom coming. Going on to to verses four through six. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Break forth into joyous song and sing praises. Sing praises to the Lord with lyre and with a lyre and with sound of melody. With trumps and the sound of horn, make a joyful noise before the king, the Lord. Again, it's calling all of the earth to make a joyful noise to the Lord. Um, And I know some of you are thankful that it's a noise. Uh, Like myself, are not gifted uh, in singing. Um, But but praise God that it's not, uh, our worship is is not on our ability or our talents. Uh, It looks at our hearts, and and I know that can be a struggle enough. Um, But he calls us to worship in spirit and in truth. And so, church, can you imagine the whole earth uh, singing songs, worshiping and praising Christ our King? Uh, one of uh, kind of my personality traits is that I, I like the big picture. Uh, I like to kind of see these things. And so I, I, I do, I, I, I would encourage you to just try to picture this. All of the earth worshiping our God. I, I don't know if you've been to, to a concert, I mean, you know, maybe not recently, uh, but you've been there where the crowd joins in, and maybe it was hundreds or maybe it was thousands, uh, but it, it is, it's incredible just to, to see, um, I mean, thousands of people coming in and singing together, uh, or you've been to an orchestra or a symphony, um, and, and you just heard the music, and, and without words, without lyrics, like, you've been moved. Uh, music can be powerful uh, for, for good and for ill, um, but it, what it's calling here is all of the earth coming together in, in song and music and in worship. And, and in church, we need to keep that in mind that even our Sundays here are a part of that. Like we come together worshiping him. And, and music, I mean, it holds a, a profound place in, in culture and, and in cultures throughout history. Um, I mean, how, even consider just how, what music plays in our role, in our worship, and in our gatherings on Sunday, um, or, or consider, like, how big of a factor worship is uh, when it comes to selecting a church. Now, I, I, I'm not saying it, like, what, it's right or wrong in that. I'm just saying that it is a significant factor uh, when we're looking for a place to worship. Um, and again, like, we are called to worship in spirit and in truth, and so if, if you are one that's looking for a church, uh, I, I would just encourage you that if they're not proclaiming the truth, um, then they're not worshiping. And so as you look at a church, like, look at the worship, look at the teaching, because those have, have to go hand in hand. Um, we can't have false teaching and true worship. Um, and so look at both of those. And, and I'll have some more for us to really consider when it comes to, to singing 
Um, I'm going to save that for the conclusion of our time when we get to reflect upon it. Um, But again, just just imagine all the ends of the earth singing praises and, and worshiping our Lord. And as hard as it is to, to imagine that, like, like Psalm 98 doesn't stop there. Like it keeps going. And so we, we, we just roll into verse seven. It says, let the sea roar and all that fills it, the world and those who dwell in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the hills sing for joy together before the Lord. For he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with equity. Again, I, I, I love the picture that's laid out here. The, the great cosmic symphony, all of creation joining together. You know, again, so we, we, we have all the peoples of the earth singing and, and making music. And then we have the seas roaring. They're coming in. Now, I grew up in Oklahoma, so a, a trip to the beach uh, really was, was not our thing. Um, but I have I've been there a few times. I've, I've miserably failed at surfing a couple times. Uh, but, but one of the things that I remember is that as, as I was out there, I mean, those waves were rolling in, and, and these are, are not the, the monstrous waves. I mean, these are just probably big enough that you can surf on. Um, but they're loud. I mean, they, they convey power. Um, and so as, as we picture this, I mean, I, I, I cannot conceive what it is for the seas to roar in praise of our God. Again, I, I imagine that this is adding base uh, just, just to, the, to, the, to the whole praise. Um, and then, then we have the rivers coming in and clapping and singing, uh, maybe adding the tenor. And then we have the hills singing. And, and maybe they're echoing all that is, that is being proclaimed, all that is being sung. And so it adds just to the richness and to the depth of our worship. And yet as marvelous as this will be, it's God's salvation that is truly wonderful. That, that's what this is in response to. It's his truly marvelous work on the cross. On the cross. <clears throat> and so we come to the last part of the psalm, and kind of the, the last uh, line it reads, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with equity. And, and church, this is what creation longs for. This is, all of creation is looking for this time to worship our God. And so if we go to Romans 8, it says, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to, to corruption and to obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves. We who have the first fruits of the Spirit, 
grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies, for in this hope we are saved. Church creation longs for the judgment of God. And I think sometimes we look at the judgment of God with fear. But as believers in Christ, we don't fear God's judgment. Because salvation has been revealed. We know that his wrath has already been poured out on Jesus, the lamb that was slain. We know that Christ's blood has washed us clean, forgiving us of our sin, and this out of his steadfast love and faithfulness. And so we look forward to his judgment. We look forward to the fulfillment of Christ's kingdom. We look forward to the fulfillment of Psalm 98. And it's in this hope that we run to our Savior. no, No matter what circumstances we face, no matter how tough they are to deal with, no matter how overwhelming. The gospel is always a light to us in in the darkness. And so I think we can look back and and see this in in the other Psalms. As they cried out, as they pleaded pleaded with God to, to, to show up, to act, they always had a view of his glory in mind. And so with with Psalm 144, blessed are the people whose God is the Lord. In Psalm 16, as as Randy kind of opened us up today, it says, in your presence there's fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Psalm 94, for the Lord will not forsake his people. He will not abandon his heritage For justice will return to the righteous, and all the upright in heart will follow it. And then last week in Psalm 102, but you, O Lord, are enthroned forever. You are remembered throughout all generations. Nations will fear the name of the Lord, and all the kings of the earth will fear your glory. Again, church, wherever we are, whatever we face, there is hope in the salvation of our God. Again, it's the light, the gospel is the light that we have in the darkness. And so, as we close today, um, it is going to be a little different. Uh, I joked with Jake beforehand, I was like, oh, you get to see what our our new format for the services is. It's not our new format. It's just uh, what we're going to do today. Um, I'm going to have just some questions uh, for us to consider, um, to reflect upon. And and so I'm going to invite you here to come up and and get the the communion elements. Um, And and so to to take those back and and sit down. Um, And as we kind of see that a good portion of you guys are back at your seats. I I will kind of walk us through some questions um, to consider. Um, And and so it's, yeah, and so we're going to, yeah, just give some space um, for you to respond. And so 
Um, again, if you're new, uh, our communion table is open if you profess to be a believer in Christ. Uh, and so we invite you um, to, to join us and to partake uh, of the bread and the wine with us. Uh, and, and as usual, um, we will we'll take the bread uh, individually, we'll take that on our own. Uh, and then as we close our time together, we will um, together, uh, as a body, um, take the wine together. And so, um, church, uh, please come, come get the elements, um, and then we'll have a time of reflection. So the, the first thing that I would like for us to consider is who are you singing to? <clears throat> the Psalms make it clear that they are to the Lord. Um, but I know that there are also many others that we can sing to. We can sing to the crowd. We can sing to our friends. We can sing to our spouse. Um, but, but one of my fears is that it, we either sing to ourselves or, or we don't sing at all. And so, so church, consider who, who is it that you are singing to? The, the next thing I would ask you to consider is um, particularly in light of the psalms that we've covered, but it's what song or songs are you singing? Again, we've, we've covered a wide range of psalms. Um, and so is there one that resonates with you? Is there one uh, the Lord just kind of spoken through? Or, or is there another one that comes to mind? Um, but what song or songs are you singing? next question to consider is, who do you need to sing with? I, I know that our culture is very individualistic, and, and so we focus on our, our personal relationship with God, but he has saved us into a family. He's saved us into uh, his own body, uh, into a kingdom. And so are there others that you need to sing with? Uh, and, and, I, and I do mean this literally, um, you know, like we, we come here and sing. Some of us may sing in the car. Um, but, but outside of those places, do we, do we sing together? Um, maybe in community groups or, or as families, uh, maybe with your roommates. So, so who do you need to sing with? And then lastly, what praise do you need to sing? <clears throat> do you need to sing? I mean, has God done something that you can look back on and praise him for? Or, or is it like uh, Psalm 98? Do we need to look back to the cross um, and, and forward to his second coming uh, and, and praise him for that, to offer uh, a hope, to offer peace where we are? Um, so church, what, what do you need to praise God for.
The Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup after the supper, saying, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Church, take and drink. Let's worship together. <clears throat> 